Welcome back to Alyssa Explains It All. I hope you're all having a wonderful day. We're reaching the end of summer. Fall is near. I feel like I already said this on a podcast, but it's all I think about. So um, just saying it again because it's my podcast and I can do whatever I want. Today is a really fun episode because we have someone on who actually was super open about talking about her sex life and her relationship. And it was really like, it was just really fun. I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed learning about her and her relationship. Her name is Tessa Markle. You guys are going to love her. Also, when I saw her last name, I was like, like Megan? Like Megan Markle? Just to like take a brief detour. I'm not like a Royals girl. Like I don't, I don't really care what happens with any of the Royal family necessarily. I care in the fact that like if someone died, I would be upset, you know, but I'm not, I don't like stalk them. Like, I don't know. I don't know who's related to who. Like I just, it doesn't, I don't care. However, when the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle um, docuseries came out on Netflix, I was on that like white on rice. I fucking loved it. I watched it twice. It's long. It's like four episodes and I think five episodes maybe. And each one's like an hour. And I sat my ass down and I watched it. And you want to know why? Because Harry and well, actually the both of them have such like a, a sweet and emotional connection with each other. It's like such deep love. So I was watching this and I was like, I hope everyone has this someday. And then I realized not everyone's going to marry a prince. He was like flying her back and forth. And and, I mean, they were flying back and forth really for each other. Um, And it was just, it's a really amazing story. So that's my little detour for you. And um, if you haven't watched it and you feel like you want a little drama, romance vibes but also real life perhaps and you aren't someone who's like into the royals you might actually like this because i was pleasantly surprised actually i even set it up on my nana's ipad so she could watch it that's how much of a fan anyway we're going to talk about the better markle which is tessa markle and you are going to enjoy this interview so much because i did that's it (laughs) that was like one of the most unhinged intros i've ever done Hi, Tessa Markle. Welcome to the podcast today. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm actually, I'm very excited to have you on because you have a lot of cool projects that are happening. You're a podcaster, you're a writer, you're a producer, and you also have Femme Regards Productions. Mm -hmm. So you got a lot going on. Yeah, (laughs) always. It's very cool. How did you get started in, in the whole film industry? So I moved out to LA about nine years ago with the intention of acting. And I've been pursuing that. I'm still pursuing that as like my number one thing. But it's really, we're at a place right now where you have to make your own content to get anywhere. Mm. You know, once Mm. you build that foundation, maybe you can just be an actor, but you have to kind of put on all the hats along the way. So me and my production partner, Carolina, she's also the co-host of our podcast, which goes by the same name, Femregard. Uh, We started a production company, been making shorts up to this point. And in a week, we're going to start filming our first feature film. So that's allowed me to produce, co-write, learn a little bit of editing, directing, kind of a little bit of everything (laughs) in order to make the project. So, yeah. That's amazing. I was looking at the trailer for Sync, which is what's Mm -hmm. coming out soon. It gives me like spooky, ooky Black Mirror vibes. Totally. It's scary. So... (laughs) 
from what from what I saw in the trailer, it's about um, like a, a time in the future where you can sync up to someone else's thoughts, but yeah. you lose you lose like control after 72 hours, something like that. Yeah. So it's set in the near future because to be quite honest, this kind of stuff is already sort of happening. So, yeah. you know, we're just thinking like a few years in the future. So the world looks the same, but in this mm -hmm. near future, pretty much everyone is microchipped. So that's kind of the technology that's been around a little while. Most people have jumped on board with that. But the new technology is this app called Sync, which allows you through the microchip to sync minds with another person. So, you know, it's the new thing. People can't decide if they like it yet or not. But our mm -hmm. two main characters decide to do the sync. They've just become roommates. And it takes 72 hours for the sync to fully complete. So during that time, her character realizes some disturbing behavior from my character and starts dreaming in my character's memories and realizes she has to stop the sink before it's complete because she doesn't know what's going to happen. Like, am I going to take over her brain? What yeah. kind of danger is she in? So interesting. Yeah. So it's a sci-fi, but is it like a little bit dipping a, a toe into the horror world? Because it's yeah, a little scary. I, mean, I would call it a psychological thriller, really, more than anything. Okay. Yeah. I love that. How did you how did you two come up with that idea? We originally set out to make a horror film, and then we were like, maybe we're going to take this a little more into the thriller vein. And then really just kind of figuring out what we wanted to do. We wanted it to be super psychological. We were like, look what's happening in the world right now. And Black Mirror was a huge influence on us and just kind of went from there and started building. And the story just kind of wrote itself the more we built from the beginning. Yeah, it's so funny because as I, like the words were coming out of my mouth and I was like, where did you get this idea? I was also like, well, there's so much stuff happening now that it, it's like almost that type of like environment and that type of like service, I guess, mm -hmm. is like tangible. Like that yeah. really doesn't feel that far off. And I sometimes think about how like our iPhones have all of our information and they're tracking us all the time. So like how much how different is that from being microchipped? Really? Honestly, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's a really cool project to work on and, and I will be tuning in because that's like right up my alley. So I'm excited to see it. Of, of course. So how did you and your, um, your partner, Carolina, mm -hmm. she does the podcast with you. She mm -hmm. has the production company with you. You guys act together a lot. How did you two meet? In an acting class. Uh, oh, wow. We realized we have kind of the same taste of like things, projects that we wanted to do. Um, so we started meeting and deciding if we wanted to do something together and just really totally vibed. Like we were like, we're the same level of like hardworking, committed. We mm -hmm. get each other. We're also really good balance because I feel like she is a lot more like the creative, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm a lot more of the grounded. So it really, we work really well together. And it was just as soon as we started actually creating, we knew it was meant to be. That's so cool. Wow. That's like so serendipitous that you met each other in the acting class and then that was it. Mm -hmm. And how, when, how long ago was that? Uh, 2018 is when we formed Femme Regards. So right around then. Oh, wow. Okay. That's amazing. So mm -hmm. you guys were a couple years before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Did you guys end up making anything during the pandemic or was it like a hard pause for at least the filmmaking? Um, we didn't shoot anything, but that's actually when we started writing Sync. So mm -hmm. that's when we just started, you know, barely beginning the script. Um, and then we mostly concentrated on the podcast because turns out, you know, everybody's home, they're willing to Zoom. Yeah. So it was kind of the perfect time for that. 
Yeah, that was like, I feel like there was a podcast boom right in the pandemic because everyone was like, I need to do something. And then everyone else on the opposite end of it was like, I burned through all of Netflix. So let's do podcasts. So how long have you been in LA? Because you're an East Coast girly. I am. I'm from an hour outside of Pittsburgh, but I've been here in LA for nine years. Wow. How do you like it compared to being on the East Coast? Obviously, you don't hate it because you've been there nine yeah. years. <laughs> um, I I have loved it. I'm feeling like I'm ready for a change right now. So mm-hmm. I'm looking into moving outside of LA, but not quite back to the East Coast yet. I'd like to be close enough that I can still pursue everything because mm-hmm. most of it is so remote. So unless I'm on set, I can be doing the same thing anywhere, but right. close enough that I can fly in if I do book something to be on set. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So when you decided that this was going to be like your path, you were going to start, well, actually, did you um, get into filmmaking even from like school years? Like were you, did you know that this was going to be something that you wanted to do? Well, I've been an actor on stage since I was a little kid. I mean, I Mm -hmm. fell in love with it very, very young and I did community theater growing up, did it in high school, did it in college, did it after college. And I kind of always thought I would move to New York because kind of right there by Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And literally one day just kind of thought, you know, like the weather in California, (laughs) maybe I should try film. And it was very enticing. Yeah, exactly. And I said, you know what, let's just pursue that first. And then I can always move to New York later if I change my mind. So yeah, yeah, of course. So your family and your friends were like, not surprised when you made the move. And (laughs) this is what this is what was that's awesome. I love that. So they've I feel like in when you already know what you want to do from when you're like a kid, there has to be a lot of support around around everything that you're doing. Do you feel like you have like a community of people that are like cheering you on while you do all these things? Sometimes it's hard yeah. when you do creative things. Like if, if a parent or like a friend doesn't understand, that can be kind of like a tough relationship. Yeah. I mean, I do feel very, very supported. And I think that was really made evident to us when we were doing like crowdfunding and stuff for this film too, how much mm-hmm. support we really had. Um, but it is still difficult because even the people that are super supportive don't really understand. Like right now yes. we're in crunch time because we're shooting in a week, right? And people are like, oh, do you want to hang out this weekend? And I'm like, absolutely. No. Like I will see you in a month, you know? So Right. How long is it going to take to shoot everything? So it's a feature length film. So it'll end up being probably about 90 minutes, but we're packing a lot into a really short time. So we're doing our main location, which is an apartment in downtown LA for eight days straight. They're going to be about 12 hour shooting days. Then we have a couple of days off and we're doing two exterior days. And then we have about two weeks off. I think we have one final day in a studio. Wow. That's a lot of time. And (laughs) you're going to be, you and Carolina will be acting in it as well. So you're going to be like overseeing the whole project and also in the project. Yep. (laughs) I hope that you have a lot of coffee ready. I feel like that's going to be a very exhausting two weeks or so. (laughs) I'll be honest, like it's great to make your own content, but I don't recommend taking on all of that for such a big project for your first big project. But I mean, like right now I do content creation full time and it's tough because even when you're just like having an off day, like where you just feel like tired, you're like, no one talked to me, you have to do it anyway. And so when you're doing something like, like you're doing now to film sync, I can't imagine what those days are like when you just have to like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be like, I got to do it anyway. Yeah. It's a lot. Do you have any like tips or anything that you do to get rid of that feeling that like ick? I mean, just 
being as organized as possible really helps me because if I'm like, I have this to do list and, you know, mm -hmm. say I have three days off in a week or whatever, I'm like, okay, I can take this day to just do whatever I want because I know I have time to accomplish these things on my checklist the next right. day. So really like knowing what needs to be done, how much time it's going to take, what's like the priority level on things has really helped me kind of create my own like life <laughs> schedule. <laughs> yeah. And it gives you control too. Like I yeah. feel like you're less likely to have those like weird off days if you have such good control over of your day to day, which is like I aspire to be like that. I'm organized. I'm not that organized. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Virgo. Like, I can't even help it. So. Oh. Now I know you've, I officially know you've been in LA for nine years because you gave me your horoscope <laughs> sign 10 minutes into knowing each other. I'm a Libra, by the way. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. So you also have a short film called Desert Flowers, which is, I, I watched that little like clip on YouTube too. It's so cute. I loved it. Thank Where you. were you when you filmed that? So we shot it in Santa Clarita, which is like an hour outside of L.A., mm -hmm. um, which, you know, we had originally wanted to do a whole feature of that, but we knew we couldn't like take that on as our first project. So we said, well, let's make it a short. And then we said, OK, let's go somewhere in between. Let's do a proof of concept. So it's essentially mm -hmm. one scene from the feature that if we are ever ready to make the feature, which I mean, I feel like we're ready. We just need a whole lot more money than we can raise. Yeah. That we have that then to show people and, you know, get people on board, pitch ourselves with. So, yeah. And I saw that it was like entered into a whole bunch of film festivals. <laughs> was that your first like big project that you were like, this is us submitting to the world? I mean, it was our first project, period, which, again, don't wow. recommend to people because the Western is a lot, even though it's only two and a half minutes. Like, I mean, it cost us like six grand and it was so oh much God. work, but it was definitely <laughs> worth it. So, yeah, we That's had a good time with it. It was it's it looked like you did like it's beautiful the way that it's shot. There's like a there's a scene where I can't remember if it's you or Carolina that's on a horse and it's going over the desert and there's like this aerial shot of just going mm -hmm. through the desert. I was like, this is beautiful. Thank I actually you. can't believe that's Santa Clarita because I have like no real context to Santa Clarita aside from the Santa Clarita diet show mm -hmm. that Drew Barrymore's in. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't imagine it being a desert. That's very interesting. Santa Clarita is a very strange area because you've got like where everybody lives, which is really yeah. nice upscale. And then the rest is just like desert. Like there's a bunch of ranches and everything up there. So it's a strange area. Interesting. Well, it's a perfect place for a Western. Mm -hmm. And, and there's an outlaw who murdered the, these two sisters father. And that's who they're going after. Yes. I, I want to see the whole thing of that. I hope that I hope <laughs> that sync works out really well. And then you'll get great funding and you can do desert flowers next. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're going to hold out for. I yes. love that. Um, so this is a dating and relationship podcast. So I'm going to ask you dating and relationship questions if that's cool with you. Absolutely. Producer Matt, uh, told me that you are in a relationship, but your relationship is interesting and different than most. Do you want to tell me about it? Sure. So me and my partner, we're long distance. We've been long distance from the very beginning, and we're also in an open relationship. Amazing. Well, how long distance? So he lives in Montana, and then I'm here in LA. Okay. How long would it take to go from Montana to LA? So flight-wise, it's only about like a two and a half hour flight. So yeah, I mean, bad. we're not going to like hop on a flight every weekend. So it's right. <laughs> yeah. You we, know? I mean, on average, I'd say we see each other like every four months, something like that. Wow. It's amazing that 
you are able to maintain that, but I'm sure having some like openness in the relationship helps a little bit. Did you decide on being an op- in an open relationship from the start or was this something that as you time had got on, you decided this was a good idea for you? So we had met back in 2021. Um, so we knew each other for about a year and a half before we actually started dating. We didn't make things official until September last year. Um, mm-hmm. And so during that time, you know, we were always talking, but we were seeing other people. There was no yeah. real like commitment to it. And then I was the one that actually asked the question. I was like, hey, I, you know, I'd love to actually like be your girlfriend, but I've done long distance before. I absolutely hated it. And, you know, I'm a different person, I think, now than I was then. I've grown up a lot. I've learned a lot about myself. So I think I can make it work, but I think it needs to be open for me. I think mm-hmm. that I might be polyamorous, which I was still at the time figuring out for myself. I was like, are you willing to you know, go on this journey with me? And he was like, yeah, I don't, I've never really done that before, but I think I could handle it. Let's give it a try. And it's really been great. That's amazing. And it's, it's cool that that was part of a personal journey for you where you were mm-hmm. kind of already on the, like, on the side of maybe this is a, a choice for you. Would you, do you think that you're going to be in polyamorous relationships like long term like forever or do you do you anticipate one day being like I I'm good with one person I mean you know it's hard to say forever but I know for a while that's what I want um and he and I recently had that conversation of you know right now we're long distance the openness is pretty easy mm-hmm. but you know if we move together I still want some degree of that. And I'm more than willing to meet in the middle with that, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think that I'm a person that is capable of having multiple relationships, maybe even being in love with multiple people, but I don't necessarily need that level of it. I just need some level of that freedom, you know, and again, I'm willing to meet in the middle. Like we can agree maybe not to see anyone in the little town that we live in. If I move up there with him, he lives in a small town. So, (laughs) you know, but when, when I come back to LA, I can see people or whatever, you know, whatever works for us. Like I'm happy to meet in the middle with that, but I do think I need some level of it. Yeah. And relationships like that require a lot of communication. Even just long distance relationships require a lot of communication. How are you guys maintaining that? I mean, we we text every day. We do, you know, video calls, stuff like that. Um, I think we're both also people that don't like we're not super codependent. We're both pretty Mm. (laughs) independent. So we don't need like that constant, constant contact. Um, which definitely helps because, you know, that's tough with the distance, with the time zone difference, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. But I think just keeping in touch enough that it's, you were getting those needs fulfilled, you know, and we're also aware of what's going on in each other's lives. Because I yeah. feel like when I was in a long distance relationship before, that one had started we lived in the same town and then I moved out to California and he stayed in Pennsylvania. And it just felt like even though we did talk all the time, like we were just leading totally separate lives, you know, it just yeah. felt like, because he didn't, didn't know much about my California life, you know, like he wasn't here to meet my friends, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think just, yeah, being like really aware of what's going on in each other's lives. And, you know, even if it's a stupid story about what they did the night before, it's just, that really makes it feel a lot more connected. Yeah. And wanting to hear those things from your partner is, I feel like, so nice. There's so many times where I've been on, especially like when you're on the first couple dates with a person and you're like, oh my God, you did not hear a thing I said. (laughs) You don't care about any of my stories at all, you know? And so when it's not like there's anything wrong with those people in particular, but like it, but it's, it's, 
especially special when you find someone who who is down to hear all of the little silly things because you're right in a long distance relationship that's that's like kind of all you got is like all mm-hmm. all the silly stories all the things about like what, what's going on in your day um and I love that you guys are are doing that for each other. So actually, it's kind of fun because you have your your life in LA, which is big city, and the, and then he's in a small town in Montana. So the mm-hmm. stories have got to be very different. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. It's funny because uh, I'm actually I've been thinking about moving up there. Um, I really just love the little town. All of his mm-hmm. friends, like I when I had met him, I had gone up there to visit a friend of mine that moved there from LA, and just immediately bonded with everybody. So. Even though it's a small town, like the people that I'm friends with up there, we all kind of have the same lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's a different environment for sure. But the stories surprisingly aren't that different. (laughs) Okay. That's great. I feel like um, Montana is going to end up being a place where like there's all these these cities that are not New York and LA that are blowing up like Austin mm-hmm. and whatever. I think Montana is probably not that far off because it's beautiful yeah. there. And people vacation there, I feel like all year round, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's big tourist time, like smacked up in the middle of summer and the winter. Yeah. Yeah. That's always nice to live in a place where people go on vacation too. Mm-hmm. I can't really complain. That's yeah. really nice. <laughs> Yeah, so that's really exciting. You guys have been together since September. Mm-hmm. So you're at like, I don't know, like eight or nine months. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, does you Do your friends and your family know that you're in an open relationship or do they just kind of know that you're in a relationship? Um, most of my friends know that I'm in an open relationship. I have kind of mentioned it to some family, but I don't really go into it with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's on a need to know basis, I'm sure, for for a lot of it. Exactly, exactly. And I think like explaining that to someone who men, who might not understand, similar to being in entertainment, if you're explaining something like that to someone who doesn't understand, it might be like kind of, I don't know, it's, is it worth the effort? Exactly. Like, it's not. I, think I mean, I'm also a queer woman. <laughs> and with that too, it's like, I'm completely out, but I don't feel the need always to like bring it up to tell people, you know, yeah. so it's the same way with a polyamory. It's like, if you want to ask me about it, sure, I'll tell you about it. I'll be honest. You know, it's not a secret, but yeah. 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 It's, it's like one of those things where, um, you know, when people say like, my looks are the least interesting thing about me, <laughs> it feels similar. It's like your relationship status and like your sexual interests for a person that you're not pursuing are mm-hmm. should not be like the topic of conversation all the time. Here it is the topic of conversation, <laughs> but everywhere else, yeah. not so much. Yeah. So did you date in high school or were you kind of like a late bloomer in terms of dating? So I had my first boyfriend at 15 and we dated for about two years. So he was, you know, my high school sweetheart. Like we went to college, we were still dating and then broke up the end of freshman year. And I was kind of a serial monogamist really for a long, Mm. long time. I mean, I was probably single like six months at most in between like the whole time till I was about, uh, I think 26 or 27, I was single for like, a year or something like that. And then Mm -hmm. after my last serious relationship, I was technically single for about five years. I mean, I dated, but I just did not want to get in a relationship with anyone. I was like, I need Mm -hmm. time to heal and figure myself out and all Mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Those years are, are interesting because I feel like once you get off the, um, the like 
routine of being in a relationship. And I was thinking about this recently, how weird it is when you go through a breakup and this person that you usually talk to all day from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, you just don't anymore. I remember after like a serious relation, really like my, my only serious relationship aside from the one that I'm in now, the day that that happened, I was like, (laughs) I feel like I could throw my phone across the room and it wouldn't matter because who's <laughs> talking to me? Freaking nobody. Yeah. It's so weird. It's definitely what something you get used to. <laughs> yeah. But then once you're out of that pattern, that's when you get to, I feel like, discover a lot of the the things about you on your own that you would not really have discovered if you were still in those relationships. Absolutely. So you were a serial monogamous <laughs> for a period of time. Yeah. Did you feel like um, in those relationships, you were already sort of forming the thought of like, I think I want a, like a little more than what this is being offered to me right now? I don't think I realized like that that was an option. You know, I think mm. that there were certain ones that ended for a reason, right? And there were other ones that ended because it was like, I hate to say it, but it's like, I felt bored. I felt like, you know, and that's a natural feeling to get to, I guess, in a relationship to some degree. But I was like, maybe I'm not meant to be with somebody for the rest of my life. You know, I don't know. And then I realized, oh, maybe I'm just not meant to be with only one person for the rest of my life, you know? And it took me until that time when I was single for the past five years to really figure that out that like, a, that's even an option and not mm-hmm. just like, you know, because you think of like swingers from the 70s or whatever. Right. Like, right. <laughs> exactly. But and yeah, now that- it was even an option and B, that like that's actually probably what I needed. Yeah, totally. And now I feel like the ethical non-monogamy is such a thing now that people are getting so much more comfortable with. And I feel like I literally bring up this woman every single time I record, but she just has so many interesting things. There's a sex therapist named Esther Perel, and she her whole theory is that monogamy is the final frontier for humans because we have never successfully done that before. There's always been periods of time where it was either open and acceptable mm-hmm. or it was like quiet and, and technically unacceptable but still happening that people had either, you know, ethically or non-ethically non-monogamous relationships. And so I feel like it's actually scratching an itch that like human behavior naturally is looking for Mm -hmm. to open up the relationship and, and explore other partners too. Now we're kind of embracing it. I feel like people are are a little bit more open to like just flexibility in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's crazy. Like since I've kind of come to accept that I've met so many more polyamorous people and it's not like I'm looking for them, you know, it's just like that energy attracts energy, I guess. But yeah, it's just become a lot more maybe not mainstream, but accepted at least, you know, yeah. we'll look at it and say, okay, that's a different lifestyle that I'm leading, but I can accept it. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And it just feels like, I remember when I would hear about polyamorous relationships like years ago, I was like, oh, sister wives. Like, oh, that's what we're trying. <laughs> like, it was yeah. immediately, where's the ranch? Where's the compound where everyone lives? And that's just <laughs> simply not, not what it is at all. Yeah. Um, and now it's, I feel like that's becoming a lot more mainstream. And it's great that you're meeting people who are also polyamorous relationships. I'm sure that helps um, so that you don't feel like you're kind of navigating everything on your own. Do you have anybody who's close to you that you like kind of bounce ideas off of in your relationship? I mean, I wouldn't say just one person, but I've definitely talked to a few friends that I've made that are poly about, you know, what has worked for you? What hasn't? Do you talk about this stuff? You know, what's important? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. So, and I mean, even podcasts, like I've listened to several podcasts yeah. about it and stuff. So it is definitely helpful to hear other people's experiences, but it's also everybody's so different. Like there's no yeah. one rule for any relationship. 
Yeah, totally. And that's why that like bulk of communication is so important because I'm sure when you have that whole like sit down conversation, it was a lot of like, okay, these are the expectations. These are kind of the boundaries and this is what we're going to operate under. I assume that's how the conversation went. Yeah. I mean, it's really just for us, it was less like, what are the rules we want to set and more, what are you comfortable with? Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that's going to be different for everybody. Some people need some like black and white rules, like I will not cross this line. And for us, you know, because we were still figuring it out of, because I'm a little bit more like open to everything than he is, which is totally Mm -hmm. fine, you know? And so it was like, okay, well, I'm comfortable with all of this, but where does your boundary lie within that? Right. So. Yeah, so he kind of like drove the ship because mm-hmm. he you he had a little bit more of a, a boundary to, to draw than you did. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And it's great that he was really open to trying something like this. Yeah. If this was not totally like this, well, I'm sure it wasn't the first idea that came to his mind when he met you. Um, so it's great that he was feeling like flexible and open enough to even allow this new thing into his life. And I actually like I'm curious if he's finding it to be more um enjoyable or easier than he thought it was going to be? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I know the last time we kind of had like a check-in with everything, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like, I know it's not going to, like, we're not going to fight. We're not going to like, you know, have a disagreement, but like, it felt like it was going to be like an awkward conversation. It's like, okay, so let me fill you in on these things that I've been doing here that we haven't talked about yet or whatever. And it just went so smooth and he was so accepting and understandable. And like, we really did have that open communication. So I think just, yeah, like having somebody that is so willing to just be accepting, understanding, and open about everything mm-hmm. is so important. It makes it so much easier. Totally. And even just having conversations like that, I'm exactly like you where I'm like, this is going to be awkward. This is going to suck. And I'll start to I'll start to like think of scenarios that I'm pretty sure are going to happen. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I will like it's- talk out loud to myself like – rehearsing the situation. Same. That, like if I have to, God forbid I have to argue with anyone, I'm in the shower for an hour and I'm like, no, you, to, to who? The yes. wall? I don't yeah. know. And then when I'm actually in the conversation, I'm like, I can't. I can't yeah. argue to save my life. So I don't know what that is. But I always assume that I think I know how the conversation is going to go. And I'm especially guilty of that in my relationship now because I, like, I think similar to your partner too, he's very open, very willing to have conversations where like I, the the kind of environment I grew up in was like, if there was a disagreement, it was getting not necessarily loud, but defensive and spicy. And he's just not (laughs) like that. So I go in like armored, ready to be like, I'm ready to be defensive. And he's just not. And that's been a big learning curve. Yeah. Um, how was your communication like growing up? Because you clearly have to have strong communication skills, even just to do something like writing films like that is communication and and that is a part of it too do you feel like your um life growing up was surrounded by like really quality good communication i mean yes and no like i feel like for instance my family like so i'm an only child so my like core family was very small and i feel like they were always supportive always you know open to hear everything but we didn't really like talk about that much mm-hmm. um whereas like with my friends it was pretty much like here's the tea we're just you know <laughs> saying every aspect of our lives or whatever so i feel like i kind of had a mix growing up and then in relationships i think that was a big thing that i really had to break through for myself was that i was uncomfortable talking about a lot of things mm-hmm. and 
you know, one relationship for sure, I can say, and it was my longest relationship to date, funny enough, but I, there were so many moments when it would like feel like an awkward moment and I wanted to say something and I just didn't want to rock the boat and I just kept it in. And like now looking back, I'm like, wow, I've grown so much since then and Mm -hmm. have the capability of having such a deeper relationship now because I'm willing to be like, hey, (laughs) that upset me and here's why. Let's talk through it. Yeah. And I love that you frame it that way, that having those conversations makes for a deeper relationship mm-hmm. and a deeper connection with somebody because it's so true. It's so like, it feels so intimidating to have conversations where you're like, I need to sort this out with you and we need to get to the bottom of it. But that ultimately does lead to a struggle. Like anytime I've had any sort of conversation that's like, I don't like fight with my boyfriend, mm-hmm. but like if we have like any sort of disagreement, we leave those conversations way stronger than we did before, even if it wasn't really that big of a deal. Yeah. And I feel like that's what happens when you when you put the care for the your relationship with this person and and the other person really ahead of being defensiveness and like wanting your answer to be the right one. And and that's like huge. That took me like a long time in therapy to figure out. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm still working on it. I'll be honest. You know, I mean, I think it's kind of a lifelong thing that it's walls that I'm constantly breaking down, you know, and that everybody's got baggage from other relationships. You know, I know mm-hmm. that kind of affected how I like and am immediate to react in certain ways in relationships, but I have to Mm -hmm. stop and be like, okay, you don't want to be this person anymore. (laughs) You know, make sure you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's your willingness to do that is already showing like a big character arc and growth there because that I feel like a lot of the times is the hardest step. Once you break through that, that I mean, it's like like everything else, like admitting you have a problem is the first step. It's yeah. like that sort of, but it's true. And then and then you can actually open it up and and resolve things for yourself. And that's that's great. Yeah. Um, so have your interactions with with people that you would be potentially interested in changed a lot since you decided that you were gonna have an open relationship? I imagine they would because you would have to do some sort of explaining. Yeah, I mean especially like I said, the past five years when I haven't been in a relationship, but I have been dating, you know, it's mm-hmm. that awkward, like, well, I don't even know what I want. So, you know, you can hang out a couple times. It's like, so is this going somewhere or, and it's like, um, I don't really uh. know. <laughs> I just know I don't really want a relationship right now. Whereas yeah. now I can be like, so listen, you know, I have a primary partner, but we're in an open relationship. So, you know, we, I, I'm never going to get to that that level with you, but we can have more than just, you know, going out on dates or hooking up or whatever. So laying that groundwork from like the very beginning, like I like first hang out, I will yeah. tell someone that. Yeah, that's I mean, I feel like that's the way to go, because if if you you're going to hook them in because you're lovely and then later <laughs> down the line, they're going to be like, what the hell's going on? Um, do you find that people don't believe you? Because I feel like a like that's like a silly trope that has been now placed into people's brains that they think like, oh, you're just cheating and you don't want to admit to it. Blah, blah, blah. Have you gotten any like weird stuff like that or like? Or is it yeah, well, okay? I feel like what I've experienced so far has been less of that and more of people thinking that they are capable of that and realizing Mm. that they're not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes (laughs) Been through that a few times now. (laughs) I'm sure. But I I would imagine that people think that, I I don't know. I think that if you are the, you're not the primary in a polyamorous relationship, you just assume that it's going to be like, 
super fun and normal in every other part of your in the relationship, but you have to really keep your emotions in check and be constantly checking in with yourself to make sure that this is still like in in the emotional space that you want it to be. And I'm sure that yeah. like I think that you that's something you might not learn until you did it for the first time and then you're like, oh, "Okay, now I know how this feels." Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's the thing, well, like I'll be honest, it's annoying for me on this side of it. Yeah, but no, I'm I sure. can totally I can totally understand that because like you said, it's like you don't really know until you do it if yeah. you're if you're capable of it. And like you said, also, it's a totally different dynamic of like, okay, you know, this is my primary partner relationship, but we're open as opposed to that's their primary relationship. Right. And I'm, you know, in that. Open. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's totally different roles. Um, and so for people who are not familiar with how polyamorous relationships work, do you want to explain how you have your primary partner and like what that means to you versus the people that you like see more casually? Yeah. And again, this is going to be different for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. But for us, you know, we are each other's primary partner. Like if somebody says my boyfriend, like no matter what, that's going to be the person I'm talking about, you know. Mm -hmm. And for us, it was much more of like a um, romantic connection. Like we nobody else is ever going to top him romantically, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that was something we checked in with, too, of like he basically was like, I'm okay with, you know, you dating whoever you want to, that's going to make you happy as long as I'm still number one, basically, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what works for us. So for me, I'm open to having relationships with other people, but it's never really going to get beyond like a casual relationship, you right. know, but that still could be another level beyond like a fuck buddy or something like that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But for a lot of other people, it is full blown multiple relationships, sometimes, you know, like a throuple even or sometimes mm -hmm. separate that both partners are having full blown relationships with other people. So it just it depends on people's comfortability level with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cool that there's a lot of flexibility in the way that people want to build those relationships. Obviously there's no real rules. So that's very, um, that's a good explanation and I'm glad you framed it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've been in LA for nine years. Mm -hmm. So I know that you have some ridiculous dating stories because <laughs> there's no way someone makes it out of LA for like that period of time without at least one dating story. Do you have any that come to mind? I feel like I have so many. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, when I first moved out here, I was already in a long distance relationship and through the years have dated a couple other people. Um, but really, I would say the bulk of it came after my last relationship when I was like, OK, like I'm ready to get out there and date again, but not be in a relationship. I just want to mm -hmm. have fun. And like that was my first time on Tinder because like dating apps didn't even exist when I was single for that long before. Yeah. You know, and I will give it to Tinder that I've never had like a bad date, but those people have eventually ended up being ridiculous or bad or whatever. <laughs> um, like, for instance, I had a guy one time, a uh, super sweet guy, a little socially awkward, but we had ended up hooking up after the first date. And so we were like texting of when are we going to hang out again, whatever. And I think that he was like trying to sexed a little be a little flirty whatever but he was like well i, I hate that you don't know for sure <laughs> <laughs> right but wait there's more 
So like first he was asking me like, well, what's your body count number? And I was like, well, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a pretty open book, but it seems a little soon to be asking that. But like, I think you, I think that's like a weird (laughs) thing to ask anybody at any time. Why do you care? Exactly. Exactly. So that's where it started where I was like, "Mm, this might be a little strange. But Mm -hmm. then eventually it did get to actual sexting and the guy's a writer. He wrote me like an erotic novel's worth of just, I mean, it was. Okay. I don't even, it was full like, you know, erotic novel describing of things. No no nudes, just straight up novel. Beautiful, descriptive ways to describe. That's, I love it. I, I mean, of it. course, I was kind of egging him on because I was like, this is ridiculous and I need to hear more of this. But we did not hang out after that. <laughs> That's so funny that you were like, I got to know what happens next in this in this entire uh, dialogue. <laughs> Let's <Exactly>. continue. <laughs> that is so funny. Did yeah. you go on a lot of um, like first dates or a couple dates with people who are also writers? Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, I... I was really only on the apps for a little while. I met a lot more people just like through other friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, not going to lie, I definitely had one night stands with people I met in the bar, that sort of thing. But As you should. Sometimes that's what we need to do. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's weird to me when people ask about body counts. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you count exactly? And also, could you imagine how psycho it would be to like write down every person's name? Like it's like a burn book and then just like yeah. keep a tally. Like that's so much weirder and so much more dehumanizing than it would be to just like not count. Yeah. Girl, I stopped counting. I was like, let me make it to this number. And then I'm uh, just, yeah, it, it's whatever after that. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm done. I'm not counting. Also, yeah. like I, I don't want to know. I I feel I feel happy with living in a world where those were experiences and and those were relationships in some way, shape, or form I had with a person who's an actual human being, and that's all I yeah. need to know. Exactly. That's all I need. And plus, to know. it's like you said. Like sometimes you're like, well, what do I count? Because I I yeah. had a lot of threesomes. I count each person as an individual. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you're in a threesome, is your body count two additional, or is it the one? That's a great question. I actually wonder what people would say to that. I might yeah. do a poll on my Instagram, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what people say. Yeah, I'm what curious. Comes up. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. Um, okay, so have you had any like especially good dates? stand out to you? Mm. I don't I've, know. I've had weird. Those date. are harder. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, anything that really stands out as a good story, though, I have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. I So recently I watched the first Fifty Shades of Grey mm-hmm. with my boyfriend who made it through the first hour and he was like, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, it was really, have you seen it? So I haven't actually seen it, but I've Don't heard know. about it. Yeah. I, cause yeah. I, I'm into BDSM and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll love this movie. And Girl, then people were like, no, the relationship part. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> there's no, literally the whole thing. Like it's a two hour long movie. And I would say collectively five minutes is actual like interesting (laughs) any like anything that's happening otherwise it's like watching paint dry and just like people breathing heavy and I just can't it's too much but (laughs) one of the the guy Christian Gray is really rich and so he Mm -hmm. of course is using all of his like money and and things to manipulate this woman which is what a whole other thing but he like for a date 
picks her up in a helicopter and like flies her to a different and i was like could you imagine if that was a date could you actually imagine the most unrealistic part of this movie is that a man would do that i think that he Mm -hmm. would be like let me charter a helicopter and we're just gonna get a nice italian dinner somewhere in tennessee what are you talking about yeah simply never happened i mean i've definitely never been on a date like that (laughs) um certainly not but i did have a friend who was dating someone who uh, was quite rich. She lived in the Hollywood Hills and she and I have birthdays right next to each other. So we were going to have a joint birthday party and he was like, Oh, you can have it at my mansion, you know? So they also have sex parties, which I have not been able to go to, but it's very much like that. Like you got to go to a rich person sex party. Oh, I know. You got to go. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh my God. But yeah. Like the birthday party was very like, you know, he was like, bring any of your friends. It's totally fine. And like, we come in and he's like, okay, yeah, you have full access to anything you want. There's like this cage out by the pool. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, if you want any drugs or in the back bedroom, like. <laughs> Help yourself. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that's wild. Oh my yeah. God. That's hilarious. I can't even imagine what that was like. Okay. So this man also hosts sex parties at yes. this big mansion. So him and my friend are no longer together. So I never got to go to any of their sex Damn. parties, but I, so I haven't been to an official sex party. I've been to mm-hmm. like BDSM dungeons and that sort of thing, but I've been accepted into a couple of um, communities that do them. Just honestly haven't had the time or sometimes they're really expensive, but <laughs> you have to pay for them. So yeah, most of them are a free membership, but then you pay for each party. So basically you apply to be a member. Um, Lovely Fate is one of them. Illuminati is one of them. I'm sure there's several others, but basically they just want to see like, you're a real human. You're not a creep. Right. right, (laughs) So once you get accepted, then they'll send you invitations to parties and the parties are Usually it's like cheaper for single women than men. Or if you're going mm-hmm. as a couple, you pay a certain price, whatever. A lot of them you can like volunteer to to be like a worker for it. Like, you know, you're helping mm-hmm. set up and clean up or whatever. Um, but a lot of them are held at like giant mansions. Like the, the little that they are allowed to post on social media, you'll see like, you know, someone walking into this entryway of this beautiful house and everybody's in like lingerie looking gorgeous. Right. And yeah. <laughs> it's like somewhere in between Eyes Wide Shut and the Playboy Mansion. There's 100%. Like some cross section between those two. 100%. Wait, I'm curious about like how expensive is expensive? Like what's like a general, like what what, what is it? Um, I would say the cheapest ones I've found have been like 35 for a single woman and then okay. most expensive, like it might be like 150 for a couple or maybe up to 200 for a couple. But then there's some that will offer like, well, if you want to spend the night in the mansion, it's a thousand dollars or something, okay. you know, so it does okay. vary. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's what I was thinking. Like, is it like a thousand dollars to just show up there? What are they doing with that money? But that makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense. I actually, um, I was talking to another, uh, a friend of mine who goes, we go to the same school that we're getting certified for sex coaching. He's a sex (laughs) therapist. So we're connected through like the whole education space and he specializes in kink. And he was talking about the like light system, like red, (laughs) yellow, green. And I don't know if that's something do you are you familiar with what with that system? Uh to some degree. I mean, I've seen it as like if you go to an event, they'll give you like a bracelet or something of of the different yeah. colors. So what he was describing was like instead of saying that you want like a safe word that's like random or a safe word 
like stop because sometimes mm-hmm. that could be part of the fantasy. Right. They used the red, uh, red, yellow, and green, and they used that in Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was like, look, we did a Google <laughs> search before they made this movie. Yep. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of research went into it, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> the red, yellow, green, and I was, I was like, okay, we did something here. We didn't just go into this blindly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Okay. So. You had one weird novel that was sent to you via text. Do you have any like in-person dates that were especially weird? Well, this wasn't a date, um, but I was at a party and uh, a guy that I had just met at the party was like really, really flirting with me. And I knew him through my friend who's a gay man. We all three of us ended up going back to his place and like he and I hooked up. The friend took a video of us. We all ended up in the oh. same bed together at the end of the night. Okay. <laughs> so that was definitely interesting. I wouldn't yeah. say it was really good or bad. <laughs> it was just okay. Medium. Medium. Um, but yeah, there, I've gotten myself into a few threesomes kind of accident. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you just tripped, you fell, and then there you were. Exactly. And suddenly everyone was naked. You know what I think of all the time with threesomes? There's always one person who's not who does not have the like bulk of the attention on them. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know they're cold. You know they're sit- they're sitting there and they're like, oh, this is fun still. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think about that all the time. The one person who's cold. It's oh, funny hilarious. too. I, I was talking to a friend recently about threesomes and she was thinking about having her first one. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be honest. It is so fun to be the third in mm-hmm. like a couple threesome because really they I mean, unless it's somebody that's jealous, of course, that'll cause an issue. But like, really, it's like they want to please that third person. And they Mm. kind of want to show off, I think, you know, to some degree to each other even, you know. So that's kind of my favorite place to be in a threesome. That makes a lot of sense, though, because because they, I mean, they have sex with each other all the time. So like, you're really the star of the show. Mm Mm-hmm. That's smart. That's a good, that's a good little hack. How do yeah. you um, find people that you would do like any sort of group sex with? Do you do that just like naturally in the wild? Or I think there are some apps and things too. There are apps. Um, Field is a good one. I was on it for a while, but then the pandemic hit. So I never got to meet mm. up with anybody from it. Um, but it's really all happened in the wild for me. Like, Especially now that I'm experienced enough, I can definitely tell when it's like moving in that direction. You can? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can what, tell what when the- a couple is like flirting with me. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that happens to you as often as it like, I don't think that's happened to me literally once. I really think it is an energy thing. Like, yeah. that, you know, it's just an energy that you put out that it's like, this is something I've done. This is something I like. This is something mm. that, sure, if they're friends of friends, maybe they've heard that I do that or whatever, you know. But right, right. I really do think it's like an energy thing. And then, you know, I can tell when a couple's interested in me. And because I don't think I've ever really approached a couple asking for that if I yeah. wasn't already getting that vibe. Right, right. That's so wild. What the hell vibe am I giving off? Certainly not that. <laughs> Certainly not that. That's so crazy. That's, I mean, that, I'm sure it's a lot easier to like, not easier, but it's more comfortable to meet those people in like actual real life versus (laughs) doing something like that on an app and then just like everyone shows up at someone's house. I feel like that would be 
that would be a lot more awkward than spending actual time, especially if you're like, you're like at a bar or a party. So you're there for a little while. You could like see the way that they go about, you know, socializing. That's got to be way more comfortable. I mean, it's like building up to like a normal relationship too. Like it's always kind of better if you're friends first, because it just makes everything more comfortable. Like for Mm -hmm. instance, I have uh, friends that are a couple that we've been friends for a while. We've kind of like hinted at it, but they were never like explicitly like come play with us, you know? And I went to an event with them one time and another one of our friends was with us and we were all going to stay at their house after. So we're at the house. The other friend's like, oh, I think I'm going to go to bed. And I just kind of looked at them. I was like, well, I'm going to come upstairs with you guys. (laughs) You're like me. You're going to bed. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Okay. So I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, Mm -hmm. if you have any particular dating advice that sticks out to you that you think is like, maybe one that you could think about a lot or one that was especially impactful for you. Do you have anything that comes to mind? I think, and again, this is something I'm definitely working on, but just really being upfront with people from the very beginning, because people are always like afraid to scare people off, which first of all, if they're not interested in what you're interested in, like it's it's not going to work anyway. (laughs) I say that all the time. I'm like, if they didn't like you when you, when you were yourself the first time, they're not going to like you later on when you're your actual self and you like peel back all those layers that you created for yourself. I never understand that. Anyways, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I think some people are even just afraid of like that energy of putting it all out there is going to scare people off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it might make a conversation slightly awkward, but you're going to be so much happier knowing like, okay, this person is Polly or this person is looking you know, to date, to get married, or this person wants kids, or this person's Mm -hmm. bisexual, or whatever it is, like, just knowing all of that up front is going to make everything so much smoother. Even if you are just looking to have, like, a casual thing with someone, just knowing, like, who they are and what they're looking for makes everything so much better. Because you can never know, like, if feelings are going to pop up either, you know? So just better know everything from the (laughs) get-go. I totally agree. I think that's great advice. I think about that a lot in like my early 20s when I was looking for a relationship and it was just like one after another of people who just were not. And like you end up getting your emotions invested thinking that this is going to be something where if I had just had the conversation in the very beginning, Mm -hmm. I would have saved myself so much stress. Yeah. It's a big learning curve, but but once we're here, it's good. It's much better. So, um, so yeah, I love that tip. And I think that in general, you have to be like a communication queen in in any type of relationship and romantic thing that you enter. So I commend you for being able to do all of that and like Thank kind you. of like figuring it all out. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it takes time and it takes experience. You know, that's yeah. the thing is like you have to get used to those uncomfortable conversations and you have to mm-hmm know yourself. And if you don't, like, if you don't know what you want, that's okay too, but you have to be communicative about that, you know? Right. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. That I love that advice. It always comes down to communication. It really does. I, and that's going to be forever. The theme of my life is that communication makes everything better. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. Like everybody talks about an open relationships, communi- communication is key and it really is. But mm-hmm. you know, I had, when my boyfriend and I first got together, he was like, I don't really want to know about like who you're dating or what you're doing. It's just easier Mm -hmm. on me. And we've since moved a little bit past that. But at the time I was like, okay, fully respect that. And when I would tell people that they'd be like, oh, but wait, that means like you don't communicate. And what if, you know, all this. And I was like, if that's what he's comfortable with, that's what we've agreed on. Like, 
that's okay yep. too, to agree to not communicate about certain things, you know? Yep. So yeah. 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 It's not like he doesn't know that those things are happening, but he didn't mm-hmm. necessarily want to know the details at that time. And I think that's totally fair. Yeah. And you, you built the rules that work best for you. Exactly. Who could be mad? Well, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and being so open with me. I appreciate yeah. it so, so much. And I am really excited for everything that's coming up for you. We need to get Desert Flowers going, but yes. I'm excited for I'm excited for Sync too. When does that come out? So we start shooting in a week. Um, we're hoping we'll be wrapped in mid-August and we're hoping to wrap post-production by the end of the year. That's okay. just kind of depending on our editor's schedule and everything as well. But we'd love to start getting into festivals beginning of next year. Okay. Okay. That's a great timeline. So where can everyone find you? You have a podcast, like, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so my <laughs> personal account is just at Miss Tessa Lauren across pretty much all the socials. And then our Femme Regard account is at Femme Regard. Um, we're on all the socials as well there. And then we also have an account for our movie, which is at Sync the Movie. Amazing. And the podcast is, I'm assuming, on like all the streaming apps. Yes. So FemRegard Podcast. Um, we're all over all the major major podcast apps as well as Geekscape Network. And we have a website, FemRegard.com, where you can find sync stuff, podcast stuff, all kinds of stuff. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it. And it's been so nice getting to know you. Yes. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yay. <laughs> you so much for listening as a reminder we are always accepting questions about sex ed about relationships life advice we will accept it all we would love to hear from you so send us an email to alissa explains it all pod at gmail.com <laughs>